This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Five times, Sambalad came to Nehemiah, accused him of trying to become a king, accused him of of, of a rebellion against the king of Babylon and gave Nehemiah this challenging invitation. Come down, defend yourself in Nehemiah 6.3. Nehemiah 6.3, he sent messengers saying, I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down. Why should the work cease? He saw that he was doing a great work in building this wall in Jerusalem. And this personal attack this, with this challenging invitation to meet was only an obstacle to get him to stop and defend himself, and Nehemiah refused to take the bait. And the Lord Jesus knew that he, had, he was doing a great work in verse 35. He had to get to all the villages, all the cities, and this was a personal attack, just an obstacle to get him to stop, and he refused to take the bait. As you know, I'm putting on these radio broadcasts around the country with the hope that Jewish people, some Jewish person, is gonna somehow be surfing his radio and turn in, tune in and listen. And I'm now, as you know, trying to mail out to all the Jewish people the history of how I came to the Lord Jesus Christ in the form of that book called Change. And so this last week, I received one of these personal attacks with a challenging invitation in a letter where I don't want to read to you all the letter because it's X-rated. But I'll read you some excerpts from the letter. Mr. Cantor, it reads, I was channel surfing on my car radio while driving in Los Angeles a few days ago and heard you relate to your audience a conversation you had with Rabbi Kravitz. After hearing your entire story, I immediately knew you were lying. The reason I knew it is because I once worked with Jews for Judaism, specifically with Rabbi Kravitz. You made it sound like you stumped the rabbi when it came to the translation of Psalm 2216 in the King James Version which is Psalm 22:17 in the Tanakh, he explains. If you told the full story to your radio audience, it, w- it would have revealed your lie, and we know, like Trump, you couldn't let your audience know the truth. 
I don't know if that's good company or bad company, anyway. <laughs> Rabbi Kravitz told me that. That's how I knew you were lying. You have the chutzpah to lie on the radio about what your conversation with him consisted of. You got a lot of nerve. The worst anti-Semites are the ones that were born Jewish. You are just like Paul. That's better company. <laughs> the, the ignorant Gentiles he preached to knew no Hebrew. Therefore, he could twist the Tanakh, take it out of context, invent verses out of the whole cloth, and they didn't know the difference. But I do, and you can't get away with it when someone knows Tanakh in its original language, Hebrew. Just because you were born a Jew doesn't make you an expert in Tanakh. I would debate you anytime, anywhere, but you're too much of a coward to deal with the truth. To me, you have all the credibility of Paul, none. Take care, Ron Cantor. I should write him back and say, dear cousin Ron, <laughs> now, I'd be lying to you if I told you that didn't get under my skin. I'd be lying to you if I told you that didn't make me angry. And it was tempting to take him up on that challenging invitation. I'd debate you anytime, anywhere. You're too much of a coward to deal with the truth. But I thought about these verses, verses 34 and 35, and I said, no, I won't take the bait. The work of making the radio programs, the work of mailing out the book changed it must be really important for the devil to have thrown up this insult obstacle and challenging invitation in my path. And what delivered me was verse 34 and 35. He casteth out devils through the prince of the devils, and Jesus went about all the cities and the villages. Nehemiah 6.3, I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down. Why should the work cease? Why should the work cease while I leave it? What this all means is these all important words in verse 35, verse 35 where it says, Jesus went about all the cities and villages. Those words are words of a triumph of the Lord Jesus over the insults of the Pharisees. A triumph of the Lord Jesus where he was gonna resist the challenge and not take the bait of defending himself. From those insults, he didn't give up, he didn't fight, he just pressed on in verse 34 and 35. He pressed on to preach the gospel of the kingdom to eventually become our sacrificial savior. Hallelujah, what a savior he is. He pressed on also after the insults, and what's interesting about it is that it's recorded that he pressed on after the insults, and what's interesting about it was that it so impressed Matthew, the apostle, this later to become apostle Matthew, that he pressed on, that he chose to record that, that he pressed on. And what that became, obviously, is it became a training also for the 12 apostles, which he's going to appoint in the next chapter, right after this section here. So the Lord now appears to be traveling around the cities of uh, the Lake of Galilee, that's what it appears. And he's going to every village, every city that he can find, and as he does that, he sees the misery of the people just unfold, begin to unfold before his eyes. And from his travels, the misery of the people just starts to lay out in front of him. And he's so impressed, the Lord is so impressed with the misery of the people that it shows us the wisdom he didn't get entangled with the Pharisees. And these first few words in uh, verse 35 really characterize who the Lord is when it says, the Lord went about all the cities and villages. Those words went about, so impressed the apostles that that's how they described the Lord 
when they were just telling about the Lord to the people, they were teaching in Acts 10.38. Acts 10.38, where it says, where they said, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So from verse 35, we can see how the Lord was very precise in what he was doing. He was precise in his focus. His focus was he was on the hunt, on the search for those who were in need, who needed. We can see from those words the extent of his work. He was going to all the cities, all the villages, all the big cities, all the small villages, and we can see the place where he worked in verse 35, the place he was in their synagogues. And we could see what he was doing, the method, his style, which was he was teaching and preaching, which means that he was explaining and then he was persuading, teaching and preaching. And we could see the goal of his work there, which was healing. He came to heal. He wanted to see the goal of his teaching, especially to heal the soul diseases, the more important soul diseases from sin. Now, when we come to verse 35, what's interesting here is the place where he did his work. It says in verse 35, he went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness. You know, there's a special point there, first of all, in their synagogues when it uses the word all. And it says there, he went to all the cities and villages In other words, he was on the hunt. He was on the hunt. He wanted to find every big town. He wanted to find every single little village. He wanted to find every single huddle of people, every collection of mud huts, whatever. I don't know if they were mud huts, but anyway, every collection of dwelling places there, every little nest where people were. He wanted to find that because he wasn't just interested in how big a crowd he could gather around himself in the big cities. He wanted that no one should miss out on finding the good news, the gospel of the kingdom that he was teaching and he was preaching about. So the Lord's looking for where are the people? Where are the people? We can imagine him asking others, does anybody live over that hill? Is there anybody over there? And of course, he wouldn't have asked that because he didn't know, but he would have asked that because his to-be-in-the-future apostles were following him, were watching him. He was giving them an example. Go find the people where'er they be. And the reason that he was on this hunt to reach every person is because that's just who God is. God is 1 Timothy 2.4. 1 Timothy 2.4. The Lord will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. The Lord is 2 Peter 3.9, 2 Peter 3.9. The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so that means that therefore, the Lord wanted all men, whatever size village, whatever size city, there was to be saved. That meant that the Lord was not willing that any person over any hill should perish, no matter what size group they were in. And as the future apostles were following the Lord, as I mentioned, they were learning from his example. As they were looking at him, they said, oh, look at that. Did you see that? That's a very small village. I would have just passed over it, wouldn't you? 
let's make better use of our time. More people in the city. We can really capitalize and cash in on more people. But no, look at him. He's knocking himself out to get to every little village, every little conclave of people along the way. Because he really cares about people. He really cares about every person. Red and yellow, black and white, they're precious in his sight. So that was a very valuable training for the upcoming apostles that they should make the right decisions, where to go, who to talk to, as they would be sent out in a time when the Lord would not be there watching directly over them. And they had to make decisions. Clearly, the Lord was sent by the Father to not miss one person. And when he goes to send his apostles later on, he's gonna say, you remember me, how I did, how I was example for you? That's what he means when he says in John 20, 21, John 20, 21, then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, so send I you. Which means, as my Father has sent me to reach every person, so send I you to reach every person. Now, it's surprising, at least to me, it's very surprising to see where the Lord did his teaching and preaching, as it says in verse 35. Verse 35, Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues. The synagogues is where he's teaching and preaching. I wouldn't have chosen the synagogues, but he did. Why? Why did he go on the home turf of the Pharisees who had just insulted him as being in league with the devil? Why did he do that? And the answer is because that's where the people went to learn about God. He didn't go there to fight with the Pharisees. He went there to reach the people who were coming to the synagogue to learn about God. He didn't go there just to cause trouble. He went there because the people were there. And that's the people he went to reach. You know, I've been troubled over the last few weeks because I was invited a few months ago, I guess, to attend a, a weekly, twice a week actually, Zoom Torah class at an Orthodox synagogue back uh, east in uh, Pennsylvania. And the class consists of about 15 people from the synagogue and me. And they all know that I'm a follower of the Lord Jesus. And after every class, it's a half hour class, after every class I say, okay, that's it. I can't stand it anymore. I'm finished. I don't want to hear any more of the Talmud saying, the scripture says this, but it means that. After every class, I call the rabbi and I keep saying the same thing. I said, rabbi, if the plain sense makes good sense, any other sense is nonsense. But he doesn't appreciate that. And I always say to myself, that's it, that's my last class, I'm not going back. But I keep going back. I keep going back. Why do I keep going back? As painful as it is to listen to this, I keep going back because of verse 35. Jesus went about all their cities and villages teaching in their synagogues. Lord Jesus kept on going to the synagogues because the people were there. I don't want to disrupt the class. I wouldn't want someone to disrupt my class. He asked for comments. I don't even ask for comments. But anyway, what can I say? I just listen, and sometimes he gives an opportunity, and then I can contribute something. Again, the Lord is going to the synagogues, and his followers, his soon-to-be apostles, are taking note of that. They're watching that. They're watching the master's example. And later on in Acts 13.5, Acts 13.5, it's no wonder, it says, when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. Now, we see another important word in verse 35, which is, and Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing, and here's the important word, every sickness, 
and every disease among the people. So that word every is very important because when it says and emphasizes here, the Lord healed every sickness and every disease, it highlights for us that all the sicknesses that the Lord healed were not all the same sickness. And all the diseases that the Lord healed were not all the same disease. There were many different sicknesses. There were many different diseases as there are today. And when we look at how the Lord dealt with or healed all those different diseases and sicknesses, it was something different every time. For example, for leprosy, he touches. He touches the leper, that's what he does. For the blind man, a blind man in another place, he spits on the ground, makes clay out of the spit and the dirt, and he puts that on his eye sockets, a paste. To another blind man, he touches his eyes. To a dead Lazarus, he calls him to come forward. To another dead 12-year-old daughter, he takes her by the hand and lifts her up as he says, come forward. For a person who can't speak, he casts out a devil. Well, everything's different. And it teaches us that in each situation, the Lord tailored his actions to that particular need. I mean, what kind of a doctor would it be who, who every time you go to the doctor, he, he just writes a prescription for penicillin. Here, take this. You know, like my big fat Greek wedding, he sprays index, what is this, a Windex on everything, you know. Anyway, so that would be a very bad doctor. Why? Because he's not taking into account the particular disease, the particular sickness that the patient might have. What's a good doctor? A good doctor is one who first listens to the patient. Couldn't believe it. How many times I was in the hospital and they come in and they, the doctors come in with all of that great technology at UCSD and their question is, how do you feel? I said, how do I feel? That question has been asked for 5,000 years. Don't you have any better diagnostic than that? How do you feel? Anyway, listen to the patient and then perform some diagnostics that he, so he can select the best treatment because as a matter of fact, that's the key question that every patient has. The key question is doctor, and the family also, am I receiving the best treatment for my illness? Not is it gonna cure me, I realize you can't cure everything, but just I wanna just know you're giving me the best treatment. Kind of relevant for me. Anyway, and the only positive answer can come for, did you receive the best diagnostic? That's why, did you best diagnostic? So the fact that the Lord did not treat every sickness and disease with the same treatment teaches us something important about listening to the heart of each particular lost person first before we speak. For some lost person, there's a predominantly, there is predominantly a moral problem. For another lost person, there is predominantly a self-righteousness problem. And for another lost person, there is a predominantly a problem of refusing to forgive, bitterness. For another lost problem, there is a predominantly a self-will problem. And the list goes on and on and on, just like the list of all the sicknesses and disease can go on and on and on. But the point is that for each particular soul disease, there is a correct scripture, which is like a medicine. The Bible is like a pharmacy. You select the medicines from. And we'll never be a good soul doctor unless we listen and discern what the particular soul disease is so we can select the appropriate scripture that soul medicine for the disease, for the lost person with the predominant moral problem, maybe the scripture would be Revelation 1.5, where Revelation 1.5, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sin in his own blood. For another person with the predominant self-righteousness problem, maybe the appropriate scripture is Isaiah 64.6, Isaiah 64.6, we are all as an unclean thing. All of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. 
We all do fade as a leaf. Our iniquity has taken us away. Another person who has a predominant problem of anger, maybe the appropriate scripture is Ephesians 4.31. Let all bitterness, wrath, and anger be put away from you. Another person who has this predominant, I will not forgive, I will remain bitter. Maybe the appropriate scripture, the appropriate medicine to pay out for that disease is Mark eleven twenty six. Mark eleven twenty six. If you do not forgive, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you your trespasses. For the person who is predominantly self willed, and that's what stands in their way between God. Maybe it's Second Peter two nine. Second Peter two nine, which says that He is reserving the unjust unto the day of judgment. Self willed. They are not afraid to speak evil dignitaries. Maybe it's, maybe it's James 4, 7. James 4, 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, he'll flee from you. But the point is that we'll never know the appropriate scripture to give as a soul medicine unless we first listen, think, and discern what is the predominant problem here. And that's what we get from the word every in verse 35. Verse 35, he was healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Now, what he's teaching here, what he's preaching here, is what it says in verse 35. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom. The word gospel means good news. So verse 35 is telling us that the Lord taught the good news of the kingdom place. The good news of the kingdom place. What is the good news of the kingdom place? Who understood the good news of the kingdom place? The Pharisees didn't. The Pharisees didn't understand the good news of the kingdom place. As a matter of fact, there was really only one group of people who really understood the good news of the kingdom place. The, the kingdom's a place. The kingdom's a place. And the people who understood and found this kingdom place to be good news, they were the people in this group that were crying out from their hearts for a certain place, a certain place. And that's what the kingdom was. And that was good news to them that there was this place. For example, the unclean leper, the unclean leper, he cries out, there must be a place where the unclean soul finds cleansing. Good news, leper, there is a place, the kingdom. For example, the blind men that we just saw, they were crying out, there must be a place where blind souls are made to see. Good news, blind men, there is a place, it's the kingdom. Dead Lazarus, he cries out, there must be a place where death and life meet. Good news, Lazarus, there's a place, it's the kingdom. The adulterous woman cries out, there must be a place where the doomed meet mercy instead of men with stones in their hands. Good news, woman, there's a place, it's the kingdom. The thief on the cross who told his other companion, we, 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 are, we are thieves, we, are, we receive the just reward of our deeds. The thief on the cross is addicted to sin, and he cries out, there must be a place where the addicted to sin finds recovery. Good news, thief, there is a place. It's the kingdom. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.